Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. Hello, folks. Dan Bird here on Sunday, February 26th, talking about the market, what we've been this past week and what I think might be coming up. Hope everyone's doing well. Um, this is probably going to be a quick one. I'm going to do two today, hopefully. Uh, one just on a review of the market, and then the second one I'll talk about uh, what I put in my newsletter this week, which is uh, dividend stocks and some of the things that I found out, learned about those. So let me jump into it, uh, share my screen, and talk about what the market did. Hope everyone's doing well on this Sunday. So if anyone is interested in getting my newsletter, and this week I put in a number of options or different ways of looking at dividend stocks. So Hopefully you find that interesting. It's something that I actually had a lot of comments on when I mentioned it last week. A lot of folks on this channel um, were interested in it, actually gave me some suggestions, some ideas, things that ways that they would like to look at uh, dividend stocks. That'll be in the second session that we do. But if you'd like to get my newsletter, just send me a note to breakpointtrading at gmail.com and I'll add you to the list. Uh, I did talk about the yield curve and this is something that um, a number of people have mentioned a lot of people have talked about, you know, we've, we have to be going into a recession because the yield curve is inverted. And every time that happens, a recession occurs. And that's actually true. It's a pretty reliable predictor of recessions. What is often not talked about is that the recession occurs after the yield curve has risen back above zero. And I put this chart in my newsletter to, to show this. You can see the inversion, this black line across here is the zero point, and the gray vertical bars are the recessions. And you can see this, this doesn't go all the way to where we are right now. So this is actually way, way below zero right now. But you can see that the recessions typically occur six to nine months after the yield curve goes back above zero. So don't let the talking heads on CNBC or anywhere else try to scare you out. I think some things are happening in the market right now, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, but watch the yield curve, but more importantly, watch when it stops being inverted, because that's when the recession typically will occur. So here is February. February has not performed too well for us. It's gone down. This is uh, from Stock Traders Almanac. They go back 100 years, really to look at uh, historical information about the market. And this is going back to 1950, so roughly 75 years, 74 years. Um, this is what February typically has done. So you can see here the inflation report was right here. And right after that, the market started going down. This is historical information. So the market is pretty much following right in line with the way it should typically perform. We are here, we've got two days left. 
in February, then you can see that doesn't look too good for the, for the beginning of next week. March, these were in my newsletter as well. So for those of you that have received it, you, uh, you should have this. So this is what March looks like. So again, March continues the downtrend until right around the middle of March. And then we have the CPI report again on the 14th. So that's only about two weeks away. I'm gonna talk about this the weekend just before the 14th and some things that I've been seeing, I'll show you a little bit today, but some things that I'm seeing that might imply that the inflation report might come in actually better than expected um, sometime in the middle of March. And that could be the catalyst that uh, sends us higher. Then the Fed rate hike on the 16th, um, 25 basis points is pretty much what's expected. I think there is talk now that 50 might be in the cards, and we'll see what happens with the, the um, jobs report this coming Friday. If that comes in really strong like it did last time, then the Fed will have cover to go 50 basis points, and they might. But you see the rest of March continues higher after the middle of the month. So I think we've got some pain still for the next couple of weeks. Um, you have to be careful in the market. This is again, according to Stock Traders Almanac. This is from 1949 until 2022, last year. Um, this is what the, this is mostly the pre-election year. We are in a pre-election year right now. So this is what the pre all pre-election years, the black line, first term pre-election years, that's what, that's what where we are. Biden is the first term president. So it's a pre-election year for him pre-election after a midterm bear. We just finished a midterm bear. You can see that actually performs better than any of them, the green line. And then 2023, the purple one is where we are right now. So you can see that we outperformed historical norms in January and the first part of February. And now, even with all the selling in February, we've basically just reverted to the mean. We've essentially come back to the midpoint of where these typically normally are. We could actually go lower. So it might go a little below the mean, beyond the mean, but we'll see what happens in, in mid-March. I am expecting mid-March to, there'll be a catalyst to start sending the market higher. And I'll talk about why I believe that here. Let's go look at uh, the charts. We'll start with the VIX. The VIX now is signaling that the market is headed lower. You can see these red lines. This is when it first started uh, turning red or essentially the VIX going up. So when the VIX goes up, the market goes down. They're inversely correlated. Um, anything below 20 is actually positive for the market usually. Right now we are above 20, we're at 21.2290 and it's heading higher. So, so you can see here it's in red. So the market has been declining, selling off. And the 10-year treasury continues to go higher, which implies the bond market is thinking that there will be more rates, more rate hikes coming. And I think that's probably true. We'll see if it's 25 or 50. Uh, I'm kind of betting that it's going to be 50. But uh, that's what the VIX looks like. Let's take a look at the S&P. And this is kind of a preview of why I think if this continues, and we'll know more just before the CPI report on the 14th. I'll, I'll go into this in more detail that weekend before. <clears throat> but you can see the shaded area here. This is what happened 
as a result. This is what the last CPI report reported on. So it was reporting on January's numbers. And you can see in January, all of these key ones, the CRB, agriculture, energy, metals, all went higher for the most part in January. So did gasoline, so did oil, and even lumber went up. So we, I was expecting to see a higher CPI report. On top of that, thanks to one of the, uh, the listeners here who mentioned something on the YouTube channel that I saw, and I went and researched it, and sure enough, the um, Department of Labor changed the way that the CPI report is calculated. And that change occurred in that last report that just came out a week or so ago. So not only were the commodities going up, but the change in the way that it's calculated also made it go up higher and, and it was expected to go higher. Although nobody really talked about that. So I didn't hear much about it on CNBC or anywhere or any of the media. Um, but I think that's one of the other reasons why the CPI went higher. What's happening right now, and this is what's going to be reported on in March, is first of all, that change has already occurred. So everything from this point forward will be based on that. Secondly, all of these commodities are starting to trend lower right now. In fact, if you look at the CRB, which is agriculture, energy, metals, it is now at pretty much exactly the low that it hit all the way through this past year. If it goes much lower than where it is right now, it will be at a new 52-week low if it goes lower than this. And I will continue to check this. Next week, I'll look at it again and see what it looks like. See gasoline now is starting to back off as well. Oil is coming in lower. Lumber has come down as well. If you follow where all of these are to the left, you'll see that they are all at places and gas and oil actually is much lower, but they are all at essentially places or price points where they were before the rate hikes even began. So commodities are coming down significantly. This, and there's something else I'll talk about uh, next week, just before the CPI report that encourages me that uh, these should, the CPI should come in lower. Um, if you look at the S&P up here, you can see that we've had quite a sell-off. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in a second. But last week I said that look like we probably will come back down to the 200 day moving average, which is this gray line right here. If you can see it, it's just to the left of my arrow. And that's exactly where we came to. It was at 3940 and we hit 3943. I think it's probably going to go a little bit lower in the next week or so. So it wouldn't surprise me if it continues to go down a little bit more, probably hits the top of this uh, gap right here. So this is the gap that was left way back here in uh, November. We came down and closed the gap right here in December, and we may come back down to the top of that gap once again. So we'll see, we'll see what happens, but I think we might have a little bit more pain before uh, the market starts to take off. This is the interesting one. This is the put call ratio. This is one of the reasons why I think the sell-off right now is temporary. So let me try to explain this if I can. And I know this might be a little counterintuitive to folks, but the, the panel in the top shows the put call ratio. So in other words, the number of put options compared to the number of call options. 
And if this line, because it's put call, if this line is going up, that means there are more people buying puts than there are buying calls. Or another way to say this, there are more people thinking the market will be going down rather than going up. And if this line is going down, that means there are more calls being purchased than there are puts, meaning more people think that the market is going higher. So they're going to buy calls instead. Now, this is on a 253 week, uh, 253 day moving average because there are 253 days in a year, trading days in a year. So, this basically represents what it would look like over a one year period. What I'd like to call your attention to is this big, huge decline right here called the post COVID sentiment, all buyers. After COVID, which is this real, basically you can see 2020, COVID basically just started right here where this dotted dash line is where the green arrow is. After COVID, everyone was starting to get into the market. People were buying hand over fist and you can see it down here. This is the S&P right down here. So the COVID crash happened there. There's the dash line. The market started to take off and it continued higher without practically without stopping all the way till the end of 2021. If you compare that to the put call ratio, or remember if this line's going down, that means everyone's buying. So this line dropped precipitously. It blew right through the 20 year low. So this is the, the trend line for this over 20 years. It blew right through that and actually went twice as far. So it went an equal amount from here to there as it did all the way to the bottom. What that means is everybody was buying. Everyone was buying stocks. You can see what happened with the market. The market just ran higher. And just before the end of 2021, actually in the last quarter, this started to, to trend back up and back down and started to go sideways essentially. <laughs> so right up until the beginning of 2022, in the third quarter, fourth quarter, it was going sideways. Actually, is a half of the year mostly for 2021. And then it started to climb higher. So what this means is sentiment in, tw in 2020 and 2021 was too bullish. And at some point, you run out of buyers. Just everybody that was going to buy stock has already bought stocks. So there's nobody left to buy, basically. So what happens is people start selling and as soon as the selling starts, then it accelerates. So we needed to reset sentiment. In order for the market to, to go any higher than this, sentiment had to be reset. Sentiment had to be reset back here towards these highs again. You see where we are right now. We are above these highs. We're almost back to the high back here in 2016. But this is what had to happen. We needed for that to happen. What has occurred now, though, is everyone is sellers. There's nothing but sellers in the market right now. At some point, and I think we're getting close to that point, there won't be any more sellers. There will be too many sellers. No one will be left to sell. No one will be left to sell to, another way to think of it. And this is starting to, to go sideways here again. It's like it did down here. Now, this could continue for you know another few months. I don't really know. But if you look at the rate of change, this is a 50-day moving average rate of change down here. 
And you can see where the green dashed lines are. That's when the market started to go back up again. After having a sell-off, the start, market started going higher. You can see that the rate of change peaked in each of these cases and started to roll over. Well, right now that's peaking. That's really clear that that's peaking. So the rate of change of this put call ratio is starting to slow down, starting to peak, and this will probably start to roll over. When that happens, the market will take off. The market will go higher and maybe even much higher. So we'll keep an eye on that and see what happens, but you can see, I mean, there's no denying that it's way, way higher than it was when 2022 first started. So we'll watch that and see what happens. This is the S&P, and this is something that I mentioned in the newsletter as well. I talked about manipulation. Um, one person sent me a note saying, it interpreted manipulation to mean the dark pools, the, the, the pools of stock that the big institutions trade that, that don't appear in, in the market itself. They're dark pools, they trade um, on the side, basically. I'm actually not too concerned about that. I think it's actually healthy for the market. For the most part, those are market makers that are doing that. Market makers have to make a, a market on both sides, selling and buying. So when they do that in dark pools, when they're buying for their clients or selling for their clients, they're, they're basically doing that and the volume that occurs with that remains in the dark pools. So it does not appear in the market like we're seeing right here. And I actually think that's a good thing. The manipulation that I was talking about is apparent right here in these last two days, Thursday and Friday. And you can see those last two days, you can see where the market sold off. And then at the end of the day, came all the way back and closed almost exactly at the high or back to where it started from. It happened twice, Thursday and Friday. <clears throat> it hit the 200-day moving average right here, as well as the 89-day moving average. Sold off during the day. You can see it better over here on the, on the right-hand panel. Sold off during the day and came all the way back. Those are called hammers. I actually put a link in the newsletter on what a hammer is. So if you want to learn more about it, you can take a look there. The other thing to notice is that as this sell-off was occurring all through here in the last couple of weeks, look at the volume. The volume has been below average, even with this sell-off. So what that means is there, there's no conviction in the selling. So again, I, I think the way I interpret this is it's accumulation by institutions. And if we look at the accumulation distribution line down here, I mean, that's pretty clear. Even during this period right here, the last couple of weeks where we've been selling off, look what accumulation distribution has been doing. It's it's going through the roof. It's it's at a uh, 52 week high or at least an all six month high. Let's go back 12 months and take a look. I'll go back a year and a half and take a look. So here's the accumulation distribution. Yes, it's it's at a 52-week high. Even as the market has continued to sell off, accumulation is occurring. In fact, accumulation since the beginning of 2023 in January has been accelerating much faster. This shows you underneath the market, it shows you that institutions are accumulating shares. They're selling the market off so that retail traders get scared out. 
is retail traders are convinced we're going back here to 3,500 or 3,200 or 3,000 and the world is ending. And institutions as retail traders are selling, they are accumulating, they're buying shares. So that's to me what looks like is going on right now. I think this makes continue for the next week or so. I think that the CPI report in March is going to be a catalyst. We'll see if that occurs, doesn't have to. That's just my opinion, but we'll see what happens. But I think, I think there's accumulation happening in the market right now. And all of this selling is designed for institutions to pick up shares for their clients at much cheaper prices. Let's jump back over to the slides for a second. <clears throat> this is what I was just showing you. So it gives you a sense of what I mean. So here's the last couple of weeks, market was selling off. There's the two hammers right there. It's a better view of them. Here's accumulation distribution. Accumulation is going higher. If we look at just these two days by themselves, this is what they look like. So here's what Thursday looked like from the open, just about from the open, all the way until noon, all the way in the morning. And I've, I've referred to that first hour or so of trading as uh, the time when institutions are selling. Most of the professionals are not trading during that period. It's usually the retail traders that trade during that period. Um, it sold off until noon. And from noon till the end of the day, it just went higher. That's what makes that candle look like a hammer. Here's what happened on Friday. Now, Friday opened much lower. So there's a big gap down. Friday opened much lower, traded down until one o'clock. And from one o'clock on in the afternoon, just traded higher. Again, creating that, that uh, hammer. So once again, uh, I think this, this is showing the internals of the market that um, institutions, I think institutions are accumulating as the selling occurs. The last thing I want to touch on is VectorVest. And I want to apologize to everyone that tuned in on Wednesday for my midweek update. I meant to show this on Wednesday and I forgot to bring it up. So I want to show it now. This is uh, the VectorVest uh, dashboard, the main screen. The way that I have it designed is it shows the VectorVest indicators right here you know, buy-sell ratio, the relative timing, which is a um, technical indicator, and then the actual price. But more importantly, it shows the number of buys versus sells and the, the advancers versus decliners. So it gives you a good sense during the day what the market's doing. I want to point out right here where this turned from a confirmed up to a confirmed down. That happened on Tuesday. We had all of that selling on Tuesday. That's why I wanted to show this on Wednesday to let everyone know that that had just occurred. But I forgot to do that, so I'm showing it now. What that means is it um, this is the most conservative signal. So it takes some time for that one to actually change. If we go look at the graphs, this is what it, this is what uh, this is one of the signals. This is actually a little bit more aggressive. This is the medium term signal. It's called the DEW or the detrended price oscillator, which is in this lower panel here. The envelopes, which are the two blue lines, that's what the, it typically trades within. And then the white line here is the weighted moving average, a 30-day weighted moving average. In order for this to give a signal, 
the market needs to trade for a buy signal. The market needs to trade above the 30-day weighted moving average, and the detrended price oscillator needs to be above zero. So that happened right here on January 10th. And you can see how reliable these signals are. Here's the sell signal that happened here on December 15th, and the market sold off until January 10th. We had a buy signal way back here on October 25th, and we had a nice run higher until we got the sell signal. So we got a sell signal on this right here on Tuesday. For this to turn back to a buy signal, we need this, this one here, and it's not too far away, but it's, it's moving down. We need this one here to go back above zero, and we need this one to go back above the 30-day weighted moving average. The other one down here, which, which is not part of the signal, but this is the MACD, and it kind of gives you uh, a little bit faster view of what things are doing. So it actually crossed over right back here on February 9th. So that gave you advance warning that there might be a down signal coming. So it, the reason I'm bringing this up is number one, I wanted to show that VectorVest gave a confirmed down signal on Tuesday. Um, there are more sells than there are buys right now. If this buy sell ratio gets to 0.2, right now it's at 0.51. If it gets to 0.2, that's the signal that uh, the market is getting ready. It's starting to bottom and getting ready to go higher. So we'll watch that as well. But I think that we still have probably some more downside for the next couple of weeks until we get that next CPI report in March. Um, so hopefully that was helpful for everyone. Um, in the next session, I'm going to talk about, um, I'm going to exclusively talk about dividend stocks. One last thing I want to bring up here before I forget is I included here, this is uh, probably near and dear to most of the folks on this channel. This is the Case-Shiller Composite Home Price Index. This goes back 21 years. Um, what you'll notice, <clears throat> I put a 21-day moving average, which is essentially the reversion to the mean. You'll notice when it, when the price got the furthest away from the 21-day, it was 7.8%. That was the distance. The furthest that it happened here, which was in roughly May or June, probably May of last year, was 11%. So very extended, it went parabolic right here, right after the COVID uh, crash. Price of houses, as everyone knows, went parabolic. If you would just watch this and you could, I mean, you can't really do this with housing, but if you were to sell a house when this line crossed the 21 day, and then you bought a house again when it crossed back above it right here. But if you had bought at the peak back here, it would basically have taken you 12 years to get back to even for the price of that house to be back to where it was 12 years earlier. However, for those that are investors and are landlords and renting your properties, it doesn't really matter. Even if you had bought at the peak back here, your renters are paying your mortgage all through this period. As a matter of fact, if you had bought at the peak, you can see this this uh, pink line right here shows you what the 30-year mortgage rates were. And you can see the, the average for 30-year mortgage rates is up here around 6%. So this, this was a pretty average period right through here. We're really just getting back to average. We're a little above it, but we're getting back to average right now. 
But even if you had bought at the peak at these mortgage rates, as the housing market went down, so did mortgage rates. So you could have very easily refinanced somewhere down here, lowered your mortgage payments, but still kept your rents the same and started to accelerate paying off your mortgage if you wanted to do it that way. So even if it took 12 years to get back to, to even, it doesn't really matter if you're a, an investor. But you can see where we are right now. So we hit the peak right here, but we have not crossed back below that uh, moving average line, the reversion, reversion to the mean. And I think, and Zuber I'm sure has uh, much more experience with this than I do, but I think that based on the inventory and where the market is right now, I don't think we're going to cross back over that again. I think we're gonna probably go sideways with house prices for a while, even as mortgage rates start to rise. But I thought that would be interested, interesting to take a look at. The other thing that I found interesting was the state of home builders. So this is the home construction index. You would think that if we're going into a recession that the home builders would be pulling back and people wouldn't be buying their stock for sure. But this is what home builders look like. This is at uh, basically in October, November of 2022. Home builders just started to take off, even as the market was declining right here in the beginning of uh, actually all through 2022. Home builders went down, but they started coming back and they're still going up right through here. So home builders still look very strong. This is one for uh, this is Pulte, just to give you a sense for what the different ones look like. They had a nice run up starting in November. They've had a pullback, but the pullback is not is still above the 50-day moving average. So it still is a healthy pullback. And you can see again that the, the uh, volume has not really been very, very high during this pullback. If we look at other ones like Toll Brothers, they all look very similar. There's Toll Brothers, um, KBH, KB Homes. So they look like they're at their 50 day, um, but again, they have pulled back, but it might actually be a good time to start thinking about buying these soon. More importantly, take a look at their accumulation distribution. And if we're heading to a recession and people are going to stop buying houses, you would think that Wall Street would not be accumulating construction stocks, home builder stocks, but the accumulation distribution is taking off. And that's true of all of these. There's Toll Brothers. You know, it just came back down to its 50-day moving average line going up again. Here's Pulte. Again, staying well above its 50-day moving average. So accumulation looks like it's going on here with home builders again. So let me, last thing here, show my newsletter if you're interested in receiving it. There's no charge for it. Um, I'd be happy to add you to the list. Just send me a note to breakpointtrading at gmail.com. And I'll send you last week's newsletter and I'll add you to the list. If you ever want to be taken off, just let me know. I'd be happy to take you off as well. No big deal. All right. So hope everyone has a nice weekend. I will do another session on dividend stocks. It probably will be a short one. But um, it, a lot of it is in my newsletter as well. But I'll talk about some of the things that I've, I've learned from that. Thanks a lot for uh, watching and participating. I appreciate it. And I will start reading the comments. So anyone that has those, they do, they do give me some good ideas on topics to uh, discuss. So I, I encourage you to uh, continue to add comments there and also like the channel if you would. So thanks a lot. Everyone have a great rest of your weekend.
and I'll talk to you soon.